Right. We just we actually switched the office that this our studio is in. That show so I had to. Uh, what are you talking about? Well, what do you think this is? <laughs> this is a show, John. I keep, I keep having to tell you. <laughs> so, do you, what company do y'all work for? Well, that's a topic of uh, some news that John didn't fully get into last time. Do you that's want to right. talk about that, John? <laughs> well, I, w- I was independent for the last three years, uh, working as a freelancer, working with different partners, um, just doing development stuff, being a developer. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of first of this month, I am now full-time employee with Shell Black. Oh, Shellblack.com. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, You going to do a whiteboard episode? No, he 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 he's the whiteboard guy. Those are solo. That's a solo job. <laughs> that's a solo job. I think he is working on some new ones. I actually think he did record some, and I think they're getting edited and put together. So I think more are on the way. But I know he just finished a round as well. So Kevin, um, well, we should we should say we should explain to people who who we've got with us today. <laughs> John, why don't you introduce him since you uh, arranged this? Yeah, so we have uh, Kevin Poorman on the line. Um, A.K.A. Code Fryer. Code Fryer. Yeah. Which is really pretty much what I, the name I mainly know you by, Kevin. <laughs> well, that's, that's, what I, uh, that's what I prefer to go by outside of you know, family and <laughs> close friends. Right. When, you, when your wife starts calling you Code Fryer, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's only when that's she's, when that's only when trouble. she's, not, yeah, that's when you're not, in trouble. That's the middle name part. It's just, you know, when she calls me Code Fryer, that's when I'm in trouble. Right. Yeah. So you 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 have an interesting history with Salesforce. So you started out um, as working on the platform as a developer, and then you headed up the user group in um, uh, where are you at in Durham. Uh, I used to live in Durham. Now I've moved to Indianapolis area. Okay, but yeah, I uh, was working as a consultant on the platform, and uh, then I started doing the user group thing. And uh, after a bit of that, I actually joined Salesforce. Now, were you an MVP as well? I, I, I thought I, you were. I was, yes. Okay. For uh, three or three years, I think, before I joined Salesforce. You can't be an MVP and a Salesforce employee at the same time, huh? Well, apparently, once you're an MVP, you're always an MVP, but you don't get to, you know, hang out with all the other MVPs and do all the <laughs> the cool stuff and be an official MVP once you've joined the company. Right. You don't get to go to the parties. Uh. I'm, you know, I probably shouldn't talk about it, but I like. To <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's like all my friends. It's like it when you're a, if you're a, ever a senator or a president, or whatever. Like he all, you're always, you know, the honorable Jeff or uh, Kevin Portman. <laughs> you, you always yeah, get to retain the title. The honorable. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's is that questionable? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take okay. It. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, well I mean, what, there's one more thing okay. I, I feel we should at least mention, and I want to offer my congratulations because you just had a baby girl, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we, in fact, uh, you're just last Monday. You're on maternity leave or paternity leave right now. So we really appreciate you coming on and taking some time. Oh, no. This is, this is fun. And she's sleeping right now. So this is the great break. Oh, that's how, good. How are you sleeping? That's the real question. <laughs> what is sleep? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sleep's a function call. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> If it were only that easy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Well, thanks for joining us. I know this is a always one of those difficult times in life, at least in my experience it is, after a new baby arrives. Oh, it's great. It's great. She gives us all the little, like, 
I don't know how to smile yet, so I'm going to like go through a range of emotions on my face, and you can just pick whichever <laughs> one you think I'm feeling right now. Uh, the whole like, yep. And yeah, and and guess, great. and you have to guess what's wrong with me. That's that's my favorite game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I think those are so, great picture moments. I I actually earlier this week was looking at pictures of my daughter when she was really young. I just happened to come across them for some reason, and her expressions. It's funny. She had all these little expressions in these photos, and I recognize them even today. She still makes those same expressions. I was just thinking earlier today about how this is the first uh, time I've had a kid with a phone that had the Harry Potter photos. Mm. So now when I when I take pictures, like I can go back and see the whole like evolution of the smile or the you know, like oh I'm about to start crying out oh, there we go crying type thing. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, before we get dinged for not talking about Salesforce on a Salesforce podcast, we should probably mention Salesforce. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and so Kevin, John was explaining to me, this is, I guess, a few weeks ago when you guys talked or chatted or whatever you did, <clears throat> that I, I don't know if we like misrepresented something or we just had questions about, what was it, Cubables or something? Cubables, yeah. And then it turns out that you're the one who created, I guess, a, like a, a promises type library for Cubables or like yeah. a, okay. And so that, that I'd say you mischaracterized it. I, you were talking about it, and I thought I'd uh, join in. Yeah, and I was. I think, and I'm trying to remember back then, which is is very uh, treacherous thing to do. But I, um, I think I was because you know Apex really isn't. Um, well, there's parts of it that are that are asynchronous, but generally it's it's pretty synchronous, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I was thinking, you know, why why would you do a prom? I couldn't figure out the how that would work or what the purpose would be. Or whatever, but I've actually worked with Cubables a little bit more since then. I think, mm-hmm. um, so I have a little bit more context around Cubables. But I guess because I have I have not used that Promises library, I probably should check it out because it, it could be something useful for me. In fact, I'm doing some Cubable stuff right now. But why don't you explain what that what that library is? Sure. So it's called Promises or Promise, and uh, it it provides a promise analog in Apex, which allows you to queue up or to create a chain of individual deferred asynchronous actions that'll be then run in order. And I say promise-like because they're not implemented the same way as promises in, say, JavaScript or Python, etc. They are, um, they they utilize a list of uh, custom class, custom classes, objects that are queued up, and they'll be uh, executed in order, and that list of classes is then passed on through the execution chain. So if you queue up five on the first run, it passes all five, and then the four, it pops the first one off and then passes the next four into execution, etc. And it does it all through uh, the queuable interface. So every time one completes, the next one on the stack is pop- popped onto the queue. Yeah, and I was trying to remember that conversation that, that we were had, that we had that time we were talking about cubables, and I think you had that scenario. You had a scenario where you had, maybe it was the confusion factor. I think when you heard cubable, you thought you could queue all these things up and they would run serially, or they would be in a, in a serialized transaction. They would just you were just basically going to pop off the stack and run it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and I, and I remember after that conversation, I was thinking, is cubables just a bad name for this? Because it's it's not really you're not really, I guess you are technically queuing up a. Well, you're not you're not queuing. You're saying run this thing, and Salesforce is saying we might queue that instead right. of running it right now. And so it's it has to be something that's queuable. I don't know if that's a 
not how accurate that I think is. That's my perception. I think it's fair to say that you're saying go run this and Salesforce is saying when we get a chance. Right. Right. So what you can do is you can define the order in which those things are executed, but you can't define the time, you mean the immediacy of when those are executed. Well, you control the order by just executing or putting it on the stack for as a queuable. You're running that method and saying execute this queuable. Well, so if you put a bunch of objects on the queue, mm-hmm. put a bunch of um, you know asynchronous work on the queue, there's no guarantee that those will be executed in the order in which you put them on the queue. Right. Right. That's where you know passing the the list down the execution chain becomes important for doing something like promises. Right, and because cubables allow more, um, what do you call it? The, the, uh, you can you can pass more rich stuff into a cubable, like into a constructor or whatever, than you could with what was. Um, yeah, I mean the trade-off is that you're you're able to pass a, an entire custom data type in, meaning a, a class, versus futures where you can only pl- pass in simple data types, so like a string or right. an integer or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Or a list of IDs and is, or something. Kevin, is that is that what you're doing? You're basically just passing in like a list of cubables to the next cubable, basically, or, or like a or stack or something. Yeah, there's a an interface that's defined in the library, and you can write your own custom classes to implement a deferred object, which is something you can queue on uh, with the incubable interface. That is a bit of work that is done asynchronously, and then there's a, a controlling object that is what passes the list of, of cubables down, or the list of defers down the execution chain. So that's that's pretty much exactly what it is. Instead of um, one custom class, it's an interface. If you match that interface, you can write your own. And with and with cubables, um, is there a, like, so when you, you know, you can, what is it, like system.inqjob or something like that, you pass in a cubable. Is there, um, is there any way, just I guess with raw Apex to, to kind of say, okay, now wait, or or like almost like you know, in promises you can call like you know, was it dot then, and you pass in something to be run when that's done. Does, is there such a thing in Apex? That's what the that's the primary purpose of the library itself. Is it provides you the, the dot then and the um, like a, a finally or a done completion handler and an error handler for the stack. Now, when the thing that you passed into then gets called, you are at that point. I'm guessing you're you're actually in a different transaction with with different scopes. You don't. I'm guessing you don't really have the like the closure type of thing that you would get in JavaScript. Correct. Okay. Correct. And that's just a, that's just an Apex thing. There's really no way to get around that. Not that I'm aware of. Right. Yeah. That's one of those. Uh, I, as always, I reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that, and that's one of those cases where you'd, you'd hope to be wrong. You know, I'd love if we were wrong on that, but I don't think we are. It's just one of those. Uh, you can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, that's cool. I, actually, I really need to check that out because that would be a useful thing. And I'm, I'm glad we talked about it because I, w- I was confused about like, how would you do this in Apex? Because I'm pretty sure there's no, there's just the raw tools in, uh, in that. Like it's just that model. They don't. There's no, um, you know. There's no. I don't know. Like you can't pass something into like a, a then and have it, you know, and basically, and you know, close around the scope. That that was one of the things that was getting me. I was like, man, did he figure out a way to like do a closure in Apex? Oh. <laughs> and I also <laughs> yeah. would imagine that like you have to do a because um, in Apex you really don't even have anonymous classes. So do you have to like basically declare a new uh, type that extends some interface that you're 
that your promises library expects. So like when I call it dot then, I've got to pass something into it. Is that just, do you have like almost like a runnable or some like just simple data type that's got like a method on it that gets called? So when you, so in the library itself, there's the thing about it and there are basically two components. There's a set of interfaces that define a, well, an interface to a class that you can custom define that does your asynchronous work. And then there's sort of the overarching promise library. And the promise library itself uh, gives you the then method. And that then method only, it's effectively responsible for only adding to the queue. So if you say do thing one, then do thing two, that call to dot then do thing two is just adding it to the list of things to do uh, in, the, in the actual promise library. And then as the promise library, when you call the start or the run method, um, it will start enqueuing first the first item in the list. And when it does that, it passes itself, that, that controlling class, that promise instance, and the list of things to execute into as data into the into the queuable. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Yep. I got it. So I'm curious when you built this library originally, because I I think you built it before Cubals. I think you actually originally built it to support um, Future, right? It was built on Future methods. No, it was it was always built on on Cubals, uh, but it was originally built in the time when Cubals uh, wouldn't allow you to do multiple callouts. Uh, so there was some some fun mental gymnastics with that bit, but uh, since they've they've addressed that issue, now you can make multiple callouts. You're yeah. talking about like some kind of HTTP callout, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah like an HTTP callout. The original use case for this is uh, pretty interesting. I was I work with a nonprofit called Pets for Patriots, and as part of their charter, they, they work with um, people who have been in the military or who are in the military and help them adopt shelter pets. And there are a bunch of, for, for various reasons, mostly related to making sure that the animal is taken care of and that the vet is a qualified, um, the, the, the person is a qualified patriot, which means they're either a vet or currently in the military. There's a lot of um, asynchronous uh, HTTP callouts with other APIs that we have to manage and deal with. So we're making sure that there's a geolocation, um, there's a, a veterinary office and a shelter office within so many miles of where the patriot says they live, that kind of work. And it's all done asynchronously. And so there was a a need to have a way of doing several asynchronous bits of work in a particular order. And that's what gave rise to this library. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a really cool organization. I, I can speak to not, not for this particular organization, but I can speak to personally the value that pets had on, on, on our veterans. My brother came back from Iraq and he was pretty messed up and he, he, he surrounded himself with, with his pets and it, they really helped to kind of help him kind of get back on track. I mean, there's a lot of just kind of things that he was dealing with, you know, sleeping and just kind of dealing with the day-to-day. And I know, I know the, the pets definitely helped. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with the work that they do, and I'm so excited to help them. Um, it often gives rise to interesting uh, technological or, or engineering problems to solve like this one, and then, um, you know, get to share that with the community. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Kevin, uh, what other so that, you know? So you got your promise library, right? But I feel like you know you're, you code fry. That's one of these names that I've seen just on Twitter, like consistently, you know, throughout the throughout the years. Um, 
like what else you know so we talked about you know you were uh, the uh user group guy right do you have any other is there any like you know other code or libraries or anything that you're known for uh oh wow um okay so <laughs> oh yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> there there's a whole nother can of worms uh let's see here uh i wrote a book on salesforce development um and uh in there are a bunch of i wouldn't call them full-on libraries but other things that i'm a big fan of um for instance there's a, a whole bit on uh, unit testing and i'm a big unit test uh fan and uh one of the things that i kind of put together for that was uh again i wouldn't call it a full library it's it's a more of an example class of how you can write a factory class for HTTP mock callouts. Mm-hmm. So you can, as you're writing a test, you can just say, okay, give me a mock callout that returns this data. Really makes your, uh, your unit testing of, of callouts much, I'm going to go with faster. Yeah, unit testing, we, we could developed. definitely talk about unit testing. <laughs> that's kind of a, nope. that's kind of a big topic for us and just in terms of, I, I think sometimes we have the debate internally about, you know, what is a unit test? What is a functional test? What are you really testing? You know, at what level? Those type of things. Um, and then, of course, you know, the de- the best practice stuff, like like the stuff you've been talking about, having factory methods to not only create your objects for you, but also for mock callouts and things. Now, I know Salesforce has enhanced. Um, they've added some nice things around mocking callouts, right? Because we used to basically not be able to mock or anything. So... Mm-hmm. But you basically just had to have sections of code that were were not covered because they, yep. you know, you got the the, the dreaded, you know, we, you can't make a call out in a test, right? right? Um, <clears throat> and you'll still get that if you attempt to actually. Do yeah, I think I think the challenge has been is making a single call out to a service is easy and testing that in multiple scenarios. But what if you have a scenario where you have a call out that does a login? to authenticate and then then you make a series of calls after that and then how do you test all the different scenarios that could happen within that when you have a chain of callouts being happening within a transaction and so I, I've definitely had to explore options and, and build out kind of a wrapper layer around my testing that allows me to to, to kind of test these at different layers. Have you looked in, at or played with the stub library or the stub interface? I have not. That's that's what I was talking about. So there's there's a couple of different ones, right? That you can you can actually provide like a I think it's a file via a static resource or something that Salesforce will use as the response. And so you can name a static resource to be used as a response. I, I think anyway. Well I've done that. Okay. And then yeah. there's also um can't can't you just via like a, a string or something in code? I can't remember. There's some other way. There's some other way to stub out response um to a call out. So you can so a callout you can use the HTTP mock callout interface, right? And that object will return whatever string or setup that you've defined. But there's also a new, um, not just limited to HTTP callouts, but the uh, it's actually called the stub, um, the stub API, I believe, and it allows you to stub method calls on objects. So you can say, okay, I'm going to to bypass my uh, for this unit test, I'm not really testing uh, the login and callouts of this. I'm just testing what happens if my callout returns a 503. And so you can use the sub API to automatically return a 503 and bypass the whole login everything else. It just always give you a 503 for that test. Yep. 
Yeah, and that's that's um, I, I guess somewhat useful. You know, the the again because Salesforce doesn't have like there's not like anonymous types or lambdas. You know, you have to actually declare um, instances, right? Top level again, and we're back to polluting the your one and only global Apex namespace. But you have to you know pre-declare and define all these implementations of the of this uh, the stub interface. So it's I mean it's useful if you need it, but it's it's, it's a it. It's unfortunately a little bit more heavyweight than than what you want, and you know that the idea of anonymous classes, or or even better, like something like lambdas, that that's another thing that would be a huge benefit to something like your promises library. Totally. Um, so yeah, I know um, we need to need to hit up Chris Peterson and see where that is on the roadmap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would make such a huge difference. I mean, everything from um, I mean, gosh, just all production code, but there are so many examples when like. Again, creating things like mock responses, um, uh, creating uh, again your like your tests, test data, test factories, or whatever. I mean, there's just so many examples where I mean, I I would I've for a long time wanted to create a library that makes it safer to construct uh, SQL queries like dynamically. And I know there's ones out there, but you know, having um, having lambdas would make the code that you write for those so much better. See, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm a simpler guy. I mean, you can advocate for lambdas. I just want generic type support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> there's there's a power in the simplicity, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't hear any other programming language that has been saying that over the over the past ten years. You know what? There's. I mean, there, there's not a lot of power. For example, in Java, not having added. Uh, generics or lambdas or heck even anonymous classes and things like that. I mean, they're, they're they're there for a reason. I mean, it does you know. I mean, it does increase the, I guess, surface area of the language, and that's always complicated. And also, you know, adding major features like something like generics after the fact is is always complicated, um, and it's challenging. And especially with you know Salesforce, I always say that they're kind of a victim of their own success. I mean, they have so many customers. And there's so much code that's already out there that's essentially legacy, right? And they've got a you can't you can't break that. So how do you how do you add these features? It's a it's a massive undertaking just to probably add simple language features. But it's you know still something that I I would love to see done because it just again it makes it would make coding in Apex a lot more pleasurable, and your and your resulting code would be more testable and smaller and more readable and easier to maintain and all that. So. You know, and you got, you know, of course, languages like C-sharp, for example, which I, I like C-sharp. I don't get to work with it very much, but, you know, one of the criticisms of it is it's the, it's the kitchen sink language, right? It's got just a little bit of everything in it. <laughs> it's And it has a huge surface area, right? That's what makes it enjoyable. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll look at, you know, compared to JavaScript, which is also, JavaScript is a, it's a it's a really powerful language. I mean, there's but it's also a fairly simple language. There's just not there's not a lot of constructs in Java. It's well, it's a functional language. I mean, you have yeah. you have functions, and I yeah, I know they've added um, you know a class syntax, but that's that's just all syntactic sugar. I mean, there are features of JavaScript that I that I enjoy that I like, but in general, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of JavaScript in general. I mean, I I use it and I'm I'm aware of it and I try to gain more knowledge as much as I can. But you know, if, if giving me the choice of C sharp or or JavaScript or or even any other kind of language that's strongly typed, I will choose a strongly typed language. I just it's just cleaner. It's easier to debug. It's easier to maintain. It's easier to read and understand what's going on. Um, it's yeah, and, so and yeah. you know, oh, go ahead, Kevin. 
to say, I am, I guess I'm, I'm in a minority. I prefer, I prefer dynamically typed languages. Um, and I like what, given the opportunity to choose the language for a project, the, t- the type system isn't what drives me. It's, it's um, the community around it for the domain that, that I'm working in. And I find that JavaScript has a, f- um, it, that's a hard thing with JavaScript because there's such a huge community doing everything in every domain that there's no real focus to it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, uh, although, you know, when it comes to JavaScript, and here's where I make my argument for, for strongly typed languages is that people using JavaScript, they're using something like TypeScript or something layered on top of it. To, to get their typing. It's sometimes, just, right. <clears throat> I mean, it's, and I, yeah, sometimes. And I, I like TypeScript. I mean, sometimes types can seem like a pain. So, I mean, I've been working with this um, library um, on a project that I'm working on right now. I, now I, I've worked with it before, um, a few years ago on, on a project when I was inter- introduced to it, and it's just, gotten so, it's just gotten better. But it's called Juke, I guess, is how you say it. J-O-O-Q. And it's a, it's a Java thing. And it's, uh, speaking of construction queries, it, it, Part of what it does is constructing type safe. It allows you to construct type safe queries uh, in Java dynamically at runtime. Um, and like an example of this is like, I'll just give an example of one of the things I had to build. So it's basically a REST interface that allowed you allows you. It's almost like a, a reporting or a, a flexible query interface. So it allows you to pass um, any number of, uh, I guess parameters and search parameters and things into it and and based on that based on what the user is requesting i mean you may need to you know uh join additional tables in join tables in a different way obviously add you know additional things to the where clause and all that um and uh this juke library is really cool it actually kind of reverse uh reverse engineers your your database so you pointed at you know you know your sql server or postgres or whatever and it creates types out of all the tables and and the columns and everything. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's really cool. But you know, one thing that makes that well, there's a couple things that make this possible and then and then usable. The first thing that makes it possible really is is just having static types. I mean, there's basically no way to violate the type system, and it's it, you know one of the downsides to that is when you look at like the Java doc for for this thing, it's um, it's there are lot it's 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 pretty huge. Um, but and, and it's if you were able if you if you were to try to learn this system this this library by just looking at the Java doc thing you probably would never get started. But when you you know after you do the thing where it reverse engineers your database and creates all these types, um, and you've got a modern IDE, so every every time you hit period, you know you it's like it's it's like oh wow there's you know there's that column on that table and here's what I and then dot where and, and it knows exactly what to expect and it can just it kind of helps you right through the thing and like. It's just it's you know when you combine again the the static typing with you know a, a a modern ID it's actually it's really nice and it you know that's one of the that's one of the um, the pitfalls I would say of of typical you know like uh, enterprise software development with something like Java or .NET is is letting developers construct SQL queries and I've I've worked on teams where you you didn't even allow I mean not it you know not just any developer was allowed to actual actually construct SQL queries I mean because it's just such a problematic space to deal with. Yeah, and I'm saying, I mean, dynamically. Yeah. And a lot of times you do need to, you know, it's, it's very dynamic, so. Um, but the second thing that makes that library usable and actually quite nice is, is Lambdas now. In fact, the first time I used this, this library a few years ago, it was not with Lambdas. And it was still okay because you had uh, anonymous, anonymous classes, I guess is what they are, yeah. 
Um, but now with Lambdas, it's just it's so nice. It just reads so well, and um, it's really just again a pleasure to work with. And it's you you know you write code faster. It's easier to understand and, and maintain. And so that's one of those things where having those if you're gonna have a static language, you know, having those language features is nice. Now, of course, an, on a dynamically typed language, it's kind of a at least at at uh, I guess you know develop time. It's it's kind of a free for all. It's like you can just call whatever on whatever you want, and nothing's going to complain. Of course, at runtime, that's when you can get into problems if right. you don't have really good test coverage. Well, yeah, I mean, there's trade offs and everything. I I find. I mean, again, I I realize that I'm in a minority. I find uh, I find certain dynamically typed languages to be uh, more productive as a developer. And the tooling around them is just as important. I mean, it's hard to get, you know, something like a uh, an IDE in, in a library like Juke that'll, you know, automatically know what your columns are and that sort of thing. But it is possible, and and they just um, the dynamicism of the language tends to provide uh, more. Uh, I'm going to go with joy for me. Yeah, but it is it is a. It is a more burdensome test weight. You, you do have to write tests. You do have to communicate more. You do have to, you know, not go changing things willy nilly just because you decided that that class should be named Y instead of Z. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> you know, some of the tooling has, has gotten a ton better. I mean, you know, whether it's like IntelliJ or, I guess, RubyMine or these things, you know, the, you know, Python or whatever. I mean, they can they can really. Um, in fact, I'm still amazed. I've I've got this, um, this front end project that's it's it's Vue, and you know I'm using a CSS framework and some other stuff. And it just you know with IntelliJ, I mean I can I can be in, you know on any uh, you know somewhere where I'm using some CSS class and it and it's of course there's SAS and everything, and you can Command B to go to source and it, it'll go. It just knows like right where in in the like it'll write to SAS or wherever wherever mm-hmm. that's defined. It's yeah, and and of course you can do. Um, you can do find references across, you know, your CSS, your JavaScript, whatever, and that seems to all work somehow or another. I think if you've if you got your project laid out right, you know, with the proper package.json and you know you're doing things right, it knows how to just navigate all that and and uh, give you these features that you know seem like they'd be impossible with a dynamic language. But it, you know, it's, I, I don't know how they'd implement that. I don't know if they're actually because you know it harkens back to like um, Smalltalk when the what was that what they called their the refactoring browser, which is what they called their IDE. I mean, mm-hmm. it was written in Smalltalk, and it ran Smalltalk, and so it basically would run, kind of run your program, and that's how, and that was one of the first, you know, refactoring IDEs, and that's how they did it was by running it. And I wonder if these, you know, IDEs that are supporting dynamic languages, if they're not kind of running your application, so it runs through all the import statements and, and you know, navigates all the SAS and all that. I, mean, I don't know how else it would do it, but again, I'm not a, I'm not a tooling expert. But I'm, you know, I appreciate tooling experts, and it's always impressive. <laughs> I mean, I will say that the tooling has made JavaScript much more enjoyable to use in, in the sense mm. that I can at least discover bugs easier. I can at least analyze things. I can at least get, you know, some kind of um, linter or something that can kind of help me out when I'm trying to compile and save and all those kind of things. So, I mean, the tooling has made it way better. And I, I you know, even though I have a preference for, like, say, C Sharp or, or a strongly typed language, I'd say a good por- portion of my code, 90% these days, turns out to be JavaScript. 
I mean, it's ruling the world. Oh yeah, it's just um, they're yeah, dragging me along, kicking and streaming. Yep. <laughs> I know. I'm doing it. And as much as I complain about JavaScript and and how at some at certain times, like the npm community has just been in shambles and and this we you know there, there's so many famous examples of of how that community has has shot themselves in the foot. But you know they've they've always managed to recover from those, and it, things just get better. Um, you know, npm as an organization, just as an example, seems to be. Um, have fixed a lot of problems they had, and and the tooling and the quality of what they're doing, I think, has resulted fr- from that. It's, it's a lot better. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, JavaScript is it's <laughs> it's come a long way. That being said, on significant enterprise, you know, software projects uh, for the backend, I still like. I mean, my go to is still going to be something like Java. I just I still want. There's something about static types that, and then and the safety of static types that I'm, I'm, and it, it may not be rational. I'm totally willing to admit that. But for me, it just, it, it's, it, I have a better feeling about it. And that's just, I was what just going to say it's because we're old. Yeah, that's, we're that could be too. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin, you keep saying you're in the minority, but actually, I think you're in the majority. I think, I think a lot more developers really do enjoy and have grown up kind of working in that JavaScript environment and really do enjoy having that kind of, dynamicism is that the right word i think so. people use that word i guess that's a word i don't know <laughs> you know and it, it is kind of fun it's it's almost magic when you can just you know a variable is a function <laughs> and you can just call it or you know it's there are certain things that are just kind of fun and exciting about it but i guess in terms of like i'm always stuck with okay how do i maintain this anytime i start building something and it's probably it's probably more of a hindrance than, than an advantage that i worry so much about how i'm going to maintain something because uh, oftentimes i, I kind of put myself into a state where I can't move forward because I'm so worried about how I'm going to maintain this. Is it the right structure? Is, am I making the right decisions now? Whereas before when I was younger and learning how to code, I just built something. So uh, that's and a, I miss that. because you work by yourself a lot. Maybe because I, I miss the days where I would just build something and deal with the aftermath and, and improve it and, and, you know, iterate over it. If, if that's the right way of saying it um, versus today where I'm so, caught up on how I'm going to design it. Am I using the right framework? Am I using the best practice? Am I doing all this kind of, all this stuff? Am I using the right tooling? You know, all that kind of stuff sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming for me. But if you don't do all of that thinking up front, you get to do that thinking every time you look at it. I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it, I, think it, I think it requires a certain amount of balance between what you've experienced in the past and not letting it kind of overcome you to, to the point where it, it um, paralyzes you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to be clear, I, JavaScript is not my favorite language. Um, it, it's eating the world, and and I feel like uh, like part of me wants to go back in time and and sit down with a couple of extra napkins when they're designing it and say, you know what, you really need you really need a standard library. Yeah, and you really need it to to be you, you know is it going to be functional? Is it going to be oh, oh pick one and then be prescriptive about it. Um, because we've got a lot of, let's do both. <laughs> yeah. Which I, let's say I'm not a big fan of. But, you know, and that's, that's a thing though. I mean, you know, you see these languages nowadays that are <clears throat> even the newer languages. I mean, look at like Scala and Kotlin, some of these things there. They're definitely, I would say, are they, is it multi-paradigm? Would that be the right word? Or, you know, there's like, it's kind of object oriented, but there's a strong mix of, of functional in there. Uh, even, even Java, you know, is, is they've added, um, uh, oh, what do they call them? Basically, streams, which enables functional type programming across you know uh, 
collections and stuff like that. And so you you can do, you know, mix in a lot of these functional goodies into your old school object object oriented language. So yeah, I mean, again, it's it's one of those things. Anytime you add features, that's more things that people can abuse and, and do bad bad things with. But also, you know, if you if you have some discipline, you can actually write much better code with with some of these tools. But now I, I get definitely get to what what you're saying on um, you know, what what what's, what they say about JavaScript? It was didn't he put it together over a weekend or something like that? And he had he had to get some date for so. na- for Na Netscape Navigator or maybe it was two weeks. I know it wasn't longer than two weeks. He had the language designed and working. So yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I, I have it in my head that it just sort of came as an epiphany over drinks one night and, you know, the next morning it was, hey, look at this language. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it has gotten a lot better um, in the whole, like, yeah, no standard library. I mean, of course, it just ran in the browser and, you know, all you needed to do was, you know, animate, Work with an, the animate yeah. your blink tag or something back then. So, or you're, you know, do an alert and what do people, people, you know, like navigate a, um, uh, what what are they called? Like a, a Chiron or whatever that scrolls scrolls across the screen. The marquee, yeah. I think it was I called a marquee component. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I mean with the advent of Node, though, like okay, now we now we have a whole new platform. Is not the right word. It's it's even bigger than platform. Now we've got a whole new probably community domain of problems to solve. Yeah, and. You're like, okay, great. Now, now we need a standard library. Yeah. <laughs> we need we need V8 plus Node standard or something. So we we've talked about that on the show uh, whether or not Salesforce as a community, if if there would be a need or we're kind of debated the subject of having a package management system for Salesforce. I mean, obviously there isn't anything to support it right now, but if there was something to support it. You know, what would that look like? How would it work? I'm kind of against it. Jeremy's for it. Well, so you got things like I saw that um, the, I think it was the declarative roll-up summary thing that, um, mm-hmm. is, is that an Andy Fawcett project? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, he announced that he, you know, had updated it to support something. I can't remember what it was, but, and I think this was his project if it wasn't. Uh, yeah, that's Andy's. You know, whatever. But uh, um, he was he was saying, you know, hey, I, I've I've in, you know, and, and with this, if you, if you check out this code and put it in org, it's, it's I'm included. I'm including some of these other Salesforce open source libraries that this thing uses. Okay, so then now what happens was when you you know you do a Git checkout and you put it in your org, you're getting his stuff, but his stuff had to use other stuff, and yeah. you're getting all those things at once. And you may already have those in your org. See, now you may have a conflict, or you may be installing a newer version or or an older version. And it's just a big mess. It's again, it's it's kind of the happy soup type of thing. We don't have any way to declare dependencies? We don't have any way to find and and, and bring down dependencies. And we don't have any way to you know to manage dependencies. I mean, am I? Does the version of you know logging framework X Y Z that my that I depend on is the same thing that that declarative rollup summary depends on? Are they compatible? And there's like there's just none of that right now. And that's you know we can keep our heads buried in the sand and say oh, it's not a problem or you know and just keep being children about it. Or we can admit that this is something that needs to be solved because we're building really big, important software in Salesforce, which is now like on its way to being a $20 billion enterprise software company. So what do you think the solution is? I mean, some 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 kind of package, you know, management and dependency resolution system. You know, something a la, you know, Node or... Maven or you know whatever new nougat is that what they call it? <laughs> nougat. I can say nugget. nugget but I think, I think, <laughs> well, I'm pretty I think sure you're wrong nougat, on that. But yeah, I just say nugget. I go my own way. I pave my own roads. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being prescriptive about like what it would have to look like, and I, and I know Salesforce has unique constraints, and again, every little thing you do affects like a million 
different customers. So you've got to be careful. Um, but something I think needs to be done because I see this problem everywhere. I mean, it's just, and it, you end up with just really see, difficult my- to manage code bases because, you know, everyone's either reinventing the wheel all the time. They, they don't use packages because it's too hard. It's too hard and too dangerous to use. Um, so they're reinventing the wheel and everything. Or, you know, they're trying, you know, or they're, they are using other packages that, that then have to embed packages. And then, of course, it goes, it's a dependency graph. So it just goes on down from there. And, and that's just, you know, I don't, I don't know. How, I mean, how, it's, it's not a, it's not a good. I just, I mean, I, I understand the benefits that you're talking about. I just, I'm just not sure the trade offs are worth it. I mean, imagine a case where some package your your code is dependent on breaks, and it's a breaking change, and you can't, you have no control. Well, nah, no, I, I have answers to all these things. And um, let me just say this: imagine Node without npm. That would be an utter disaster. I mean, it wouldn't. You wouldn't have npm. It wouldn't be anywhere near where it is right now. I mean, look, think of and if you, I don't know, if you're not, not a big Java person, but imagine Java before things like Maven, when you, or even Ant, when you know people were manually like resolving dependencies and building like their own class path string which is insane like no one i bet anyone under the age of 40 has never <laughs> built their own class path string you know because it's unheard of well yeah <laughs> um i've had to do it i hate doing it and i don't remember how to do it <laughs> again i feel like you know salesforce- that one time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i feel like you know salesforce has earned this position where like their system needs something like this now so, so, not, so let me challenge you on that a okay. little bit. With DX and the ability to, you know, have source-driven development, why not just add a, a you know, sort of a, a Git submodule to pull in a package? So it's okay. Um, essentially, it essentially gets you gets you what you need, right? The, the prop. Okay. So here's let's go back to this thing with declarative, declarative rollup summary. His okay. his package that package depends on let's say a logging framework X Y Z right yeah um so is it is it get some modules all the way down I mean how do I and you know you so you're talking about managing so, the dependency of the dependencies yes it's called transitive dependencies yeah. and it's a big it's a something that's got to be solved so here, here's my here's my thought and and it goes something like this and and it's not fully formed i just thought about this while we're, while we're talking now but if you have the ability to pull in you know do source driven development and have submodules if you can freeze those submodules for your for your namespace um, it seems like you would you would have <laughs> pretty close to what you're looking for and it feels like those would be something you could do. So let's say you're going to, you know, pull in fictional package A and it has transitive dependencies on B, C, and D. If you can, you know, run a command, um, an NPM command or, or a, a, you know, a, an SFDX plugin that you've written to go out and grab the submodules and put them in your project and sort of freeze them there um, at the version they're at right now, uh, it seems like that would resolve everything but updating. Maybe. I mean, I think it would get you something. I still think that, you know, get submodule from just a tooling aspect is not nice enough. It wasn't really built for that. It was built for something similar to that, but not quite that. And um, you could, I've actually not tried that, but I guess you could if if people... Um, I mean, you, you might run into the situation where you're going to have multiple versions of the same transitive dependency, 
I could see several ways of dealing with that. You could your you know custom SFDX plugin could namespace all of your transitive dependencies. Yep. Um, which would not necessarily be the prettiest thing, but I, I think would would solve that. Um, and you're right; it's not it's not a it's not an npm, it's not a gem, it's not an egg solution, but it is a it's a solution that you could theoretically have in the hand later this afternoon. Yeah, <clears throat> like, like I said, I mean, and again, people also, I mean, it's it's. Um, there's there's the tooling aspect, but there's also the community aspect and just standard. So it's like you know what kind of versioning standard are we going to go by? We I mean I know semantic version versioning seems to be the um, a, a pretty well adopted across different platforms. Mm-hmm. So something like that. I mean if people adhered to that, and you know like yeah the the pa- packages d- depending on different versions of packages that that's a challenge in the in the Apex world. You know JavaScript it's it's <laughs> simultaneously a mess, but actually they've wrangled that problem pretty well, and you and you can do that. You know, you can also get yourself into trouble just in terms of bloat, um, mm-hmm. because you can use, you know, if, if two things re- require um, incompatible versions of the same thing, you know, npm and JavaScript can solve that. That's n- not necessarily a problem. Although, again, there's there's been examples where that that has failed, but you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it, it actually works. I don't know how you do that in Apex, and and maybe you couldn't do that in Apex right now. But if but if you know you could get you could have a system though where you you can you could be warned that hey, actually this thing that you're importing here um, requires an incompatible version of some some other tran- uh, transitive dependency, and you could at least be warned so you could stop and then figure out okay what you know how are we going to move forward here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have another objection think- to this this whole thing, and that's that's our conversation around kind of uh, open source technologies and the licenses associated to them. You know, how do you manage that? Well, again, if you've, uh, the tooling can, can can do this, actually. You can, um, you know, with NPM and some of these things, you know, you can actually run, there are tools to run and, and check licenses for all your, they they net, they, what would the word be, I guess, tra- traverse your dependency graph and check licenses. I mean, it's a part of a compliance tool tooling. So that's actually a great question. And people do that. They do compliance checks um, to make sure that they don't have any, you know, non-compliant licenses. It's a lot of times uh, your organizations will say, "Okay, you're allowed to use, you know, Apache and MIT, but no GPL or whatever." Right. Hmm. I hadn't thought about the licensing side of things. Well, Jeremy's made it very <laughs> clear that my code is not my code. <laughs> so it's been an ongoing conversation. Uh, uh, even even my snippets, he says, is not even my code. So, I feel uh, bad. I forced John into this state of paranoia. <laughs> Very paranoid about my code these days. Or I'm sorry, John, I'm you, sorry, not my code. Those snippets? No, they're just they're just re, you know functions that I write all the time that I just might have on hand. You know, some kind of function that parses a name or something along those lines, or parses an address. You know, those kind of things where I'm just like, I okay, I need to parse a name. I have a snippet for that. So Let me put this in here. So in this case, it's kind of like John has his own code libraries, and he includes those in, in client work. They're not libraries. They're just blocks of code. Well, people have been sued over less, is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> and so he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll use, he'll reuse this code, and, he, you know, he's been a nice guy, right? He's giving his, he's giving his client code he's written before I'm just being productive. No, I know. I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying you're being nice. You're. you're I'm not actually, trying to give away free. I'm. I, I get paid by the hour. I'm just saying, I'm just being productive. Exactly. I have this code. Why do I? I write it the same way every time, 
it comes from my brain, and right. now all of a sudden my brain is not my property. Well, it, it, here's the thing: if you don't declare with a license or whatever, right, mm-hmm. that you that you are giving that client, you know, exclusive or uh, you know, non-exclusive global, you know, per, you know, in perpetuity access to that code, then then legally that may have become their code. You will be happy to know right? I have deleted my snippet library <laughs> I know. and I now hand code <laughs> everything. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a great way for folks to show up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Thank you, Jeremy. I'm saying you always got to think about these things. It's a li- we live in a litigious society. Yeah, we do. Well, I want to be sensitive to time. We are <laughs> kind of at the top of our kind of limit. Um, so I just wanted to, um, well, first of all, thank Kevin for coming on and uh, being a guest. This was a great conversation. I feel like this conversation go on for another two hours. Um, <laughs> I think Kevin needs to get some sleep probably. I'm not sure he can... <laughs> Withstand that, um, Kevin. Um, what, what, what was that? No. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, what uh, What are you working on, or what What do you want to share, or what do you want to, um, you know, how can people find out what you're doing and learn a little bit more uh, about you? Wow. So uh, I'm a developer evangelist at Salesforce now. So I've got my hand in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, uh, you can come to Trailhead DX at the end of the month, and you can uh, see some of the hands-on stuff that I, I've been working on, uh, which I have to keep under wraps for right now. Oh. Um, and then, uh, let's see. And then... Um, no, no sneak peeks for can, the Good Day Sir podcast yeah. uh, <laughs> listeners? Uh, so here's a sneak peek for you. There's going to be some stuff about testing. Awesome. Sweet. Um, yeah, not, a, not necessarily at Trello DX. I think there's a session on it by uh, my coworker, Heather. You should go to that. But um, uh, there's uh, some blogs that I think are, are hopefully going to come out here soon, some, sometime soon, on testing. Um because, like I said, I'm a big, big fan. Um, and, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome, because yeah. we'll be there, and uh, hopefully we can carve out some time to meet up and hang out. Um, we are also participating in part of the extracurricular that's happening on Thursday at oh. Trailhead. Have you heard about this, Kevin? Uh, like, tangentially, like in passing, I've heard about it, but I don't really know any of the details. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's, this, it's a kind of a community-driven idea to, um, to uh, do a, uh, I don't say, it, it, almost like a, a side conference or like an ad- additional content that's really community-provided content, not necessarily from Salesforce proper content, but like, you know, community um, and kind of, kind of a community-focused thing. And Salesforce just said, "Hey, why don't you guys just do this at Trailhead DX?" And uh, I think we were like, "Well, sure." So yeah, I think it's it's Thursday, pretty much all day. We're going to have a theater dedicated to it. So there's there's more cool. details on the on the website, theextracurricular.org. Although um, not many like, details because I looked at it today and it's <laughs> oh. So what are you two gentlemen doing? <laughs> so I will be moderate moderating. Uh, we will be part of the panel. There's a number of people that are going to be on the panel. I haven't gotten a full list of confirmations, so I'm going to work on that so we can put that out there. Um, and I know I know some of the names, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say them yet, so I won't say them yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it, our, our, the, the idea was that we would kind of be able to kind of focus on developer topics and have more of a conversation around that. So, so that's what we're looking to do with that. Cool. Cool. Unfortunately, I will not be there this year. Oh, you won't be. I, th- I thought you. No, his, unfortunately. Uh, but his, uh, his your your coworker. We said her name is Heather. She's going to be uh, representing your your testing stuff. Well, this, this is her content too. But uh, okay, yeah, she's uh, she's doing a session on testing. I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, but yeah, I, I'm on. Uh, I'm 
on paternity leave during during that, so I won't be there. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> well, that's great. I hope you enjoy the times. Take the time and enjoy the time. I it goes by quickly. Uh, this is this oh, is yes. not your first though. You're, you're this is uh, number two. Yes, this is deployment number two. Yeah. <laughs> do Do you feel a little bit less anxiety? I know with my first, I was I did everything by the book. I was overly protective, and with the second, I was like they're licking the floor. I'm like, eh, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> He'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the first one, I was like, "Oh, what are, what are we supposed to do now? What what happens? To this is this normal? How do I do this?" Yeah. And now I'm like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could automate this or automate the <laughs> logging of this?" Like, you start thinking of app ideas. Diaper. Right, right. A smart diaper that you could just be like, "Hey, you need to change a diaper." Or pop up on your phone. How or, does that not exist? That would be perfect. I don't know. I'm always having to like lift. I, I remember these days of just kind of like lifting the back of their diaper and looking in or taking a sniff. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> These yeah. are things that should exist. I mean, uh, we we need we need some IoT here. <laughs> I, or, or at the very least, I should be able to train my dog to to sniff for me, like <laughs> sit down if it needs to be changed, bark if it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, that's no, the dog's possible. too worried about picking up the scraps that they leave. <laughs> <laughs> Our dog hung out at the at the foot of the stool the entire time, and associates kids with food. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. right. Well, thanks again, Kevin. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Thank you much. It's been great. If you ever want me to come back, let me know. That sounds great. Sounds great. I'll have you back. Awesome. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) That was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Interesting guy. He's uh, obviously done a lot of interesting stuff, coding and what have you. It's always good to kind of be able to kind of have these discussions and kind of be a developer and talk. I noticed he's already picked up this this Salesforce employee tick though of like when you you're like oh we you know we really need to do this and they they come back with a well what if it was like this <laughs> and it's like it's something that's completely different and not uh, but I don't know that's one of the things well he does well, job and, well and they're 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 well marinated in what they know their constraints are I yeah. think and and they're listening um they're listening but it's tough <laughs> you know that that's that's interesting to say that because that that is all the way up to the top. I, mean, I remember when I did the MVP summit and Parker was there and he was fairly open and honest. In fact, it it made me love Parker that much more because he was that that honest about the marketing and where they're at and how they have to justify things and you know, just just real world business stuff around kind of building this platform out. I mean, there are things that we want, there there are priorities within the company and you know, to your point, they have to get the fastest to to 20 billion now. So but um, yeah, I mean, it's always refreshing to kind of get to talk to someone on the inside and, and kind of get their perspective on things. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of uh, the extracurricular, do we? I, I did go to look at the website earlier today, and I'm a horrible admin, aren't I? <clears throat> do, are, is there new content that I maybe? My- I, ha- I have a section for speakers, but I have not yet added it because I don't have a full list. So I need to get with the committee. Right. I'm, 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 and uh, get a final list of speakers so I can put more content on there. Perhaps, perhaps by the time people listen to this episode, there will be some co- some new content on the extracurricular.org. I would say check there. You never know. <laughs> John, will get, John will get it done as soon as he finishes that app he was developing. <laughs> and as soon as he uh, completes his challenge. Let's, you let's... are not supposed to talk about App Club, by the way. <laughs> app Club? Yes. See, I don't even know what that is. 
It's a play on Fight Club. Okay. You don't talk about App Club. The first rule of App Club? Yes. <laughs> what What about um, your challenge, though? Is that what you... I am challenge. working on it. Okay, so so here's what happened. What happened is... Here, yeah. Here, here's See, my what dog. Ha- my what dog. happened. And, and, you know... My dog ate my code. <laughs> <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole. You, you cut on a, mo- on a moleskine, John? And your dog ate it? So, <laughs> so what had happened is... <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, I went down, I, w- I really went deep on, on machine learning. In fact, someone, I, I was talking to someone recently and they kind of described, I, I felt either I described it or they described it or they helped me describe this in the best of terms, the difference between you and I on how we approach something. And, and the way they described it, or at least either way, you go broad on a subject and start acquiring knowledge on a subject. Me, I dig a hole as deep as I can and start trying to crawl my way out of that hole. So when it came to machine learning and and, and starting with Einstein, the topic of Einstein, I dig a hole way down deep into machine learning and now I'm trying to crawl my way out of Machine learning. You, when you when you made broke surface in China, you thought you should turn around and yeah, go back. The other exactly. Way. <laughs> so I went to China, and now I'm trying to get out of China. And uh, so I'm I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to get my way out of it so I can frame my conversation a bit. Uh, so and, and you know I'm I'm gaining a lot of knowledge on machine learning. I'm consuming a ton of podcasts, consuming a ton of blogs. I'm I'm immersing myself in this world, and it's interesting because I'm getting questions from clients about Einstein and what it can do and, and their perspective, their their current knowledge base of it is that it you just do it. You well, just can, say, can tell you just you, say you, Einstein, <laughs> do this and, and it'll come back with some answers. And that's not the reality of machine learning. It, it has to be focused. And the stuff that that Einstein provides is very opinionated and well, maybe opinionated isn't the right word, but that it's purpose specific. Like there's it's certain purpose specific right? yeah. because with, with machine learning, you do have to categorize your data. You do have to test that data. You do have to kind of give the the system a guidelines of what what the output needs to be and validate that. So it's not like this open ended thing where you just kind of give it a, a ton of data and say figure this out with a question. Right. It's not a search right. engine I mean, algorithm <clears throat> that comes back and says, "Oh, here's here, here's what here's what." what I think you meant and here's the data to support that. It's not That's that. almost like another level of inception where you can you can just give some machine a bunch of stuff and say I don't know what should I do and it actually figures out what type of machine learning to apply to that. You know, right now we're still at the place where you have to know pretty specifically what type of machine learning or what type of you know tool what in in with Einstein for example, you know Einstein Seems to me, even though I don't use it, but it's it's currently the place where like it's it's they've got specific applications for Einstein, and I don't know what you're doing, but you're certainly not listening to me. I am coordinating with our guest. Okay, can that be done later, or should we pause? He has a hard stop. That's why we had to. He already st- stopped. I know, but that's why we stopped with him early because he had a hard stop. Okay, he's got life. He's I got. Know, a no, kid. I'm saying we're 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 good though. We don't. I mean, we're we don't need anything right at this point. Oh, we don't need that. We don't no, need that far. I mean, I don't. It's more trouble for me to to use it. But, I mean, we could. I guess have him send it over. We'll we'll see what he I didn't do it because he he heard you say we didn't need it. Oh, okay, that's fine. No, you should say, "Oh crap, we didn't record <laughs> you." I thought we thought you were recording. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um, all right. Well, let's 
What else do we have, John? We have any follow up? I, I I wanted to mention. You know how I was talking about. Uh, I had a client that was trying to get you know like maybe a couple two to four week extension on their community licenses because they're they really didn't want to renew because they were migrating to another solution. But oh, that yeah. solution was going to be you know let's say I don't know three or four weeks mm-hmm. after their current community license were going to expire. And Salesforce basically says no, we're not gonna we're not gonna extend this. No, really. No. They said you know they try to get them to sign another. You year, know what the problem was another year, but it's like it's like a hundred thousand dollars for another year. Yeah, you um, know why? Because it's oh, I know Q one. It's not Q four anymore. If if they had done it at Q four, they would have been like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. They also said um, we'll give you the option to do a ninety day extension or a, basically a ninety day con- new contract for ninety days. But you know they you get charged a much higher rate if you do. 90 days. Mm. And it would just, it's like, it's literally a stupid amount of money. So. Hey, we got to be profitable. We can't be like <laughs> Fitbit. That's a, that's a, that's, that's cloud for you, John. It's, it's a customer company, right? <laughs> that was a jab at Fitbit because yeah. they're, they're having struggles right now. Which but, is you know, unfortunate because I actually, I, I, you have a clip of me saying this because I heard it earlier, but I, I do like Fitbit. I think it's a good, I think they have a good products. I think they can, they could potentially compete with Apple where others can't. Yeah. Uh, because Actually, I, I like Fitbit. Oh, yeah. See, there it is. What about this one? I love Fitbit. <laughs> so I wonder how Benioff Look is- what I got, my new Fitbit Blaze. I'm, I'm sure Benioff is sitting on the board right now talking about strategy and, and how we can, we can fix the whole yeah. Fitbit ecosystem. Anyway, I, I wish Salesforce was more cloud-like. They, they like to be a, called a cloud company, but that's not the way you buy cloud. That's the way you buy old-school enterprise software. That's, what, that's the way... Heck, even Oracle is more cloud than that with all their new stuff. Now I know they're on their old stuff; they? they're still nasty. Yeah, in yeah. terms of sales and contracts, and you can spin up Oracle just like you can AWS now. Hmm. Um, what else we have? You know, um, Amazon just had earnings, and plus there's a bunch, been a bunch of news about them. You know, they're they're thinking they just about spring, uh, spring. S- Spring, not spring. Ring, um, ring, ring, ring. Yeah, they brought ring. They also are thinking about becoming a bank, which would be interesting um, because they would basically be like bigger than Wells Fargo, like right off the bat. And they could also avoid. Um, I think it was something like two hundred fifty million dollars in like credit card fees or whatever by being the bank, essentially. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up because John is just completely has checked out. I'm right. communicating with our no, guests. No, that's fine. I'm right. sorry. Um, any final thoughts from you? I have other topics. Well, but, no. Um, we're done. We've we've killed the vibe. All right. Um, like us commu- uh, on the whatevers, right? The hearts, the stars, lots of stars, five stars, all the stars. Leave us reviews. reviews? Those are good. We like reviews. Especially when they say nice things. What or, else? Um, or if you got a good story that I can dramatic read. That's true. That was fun. Or uh, what else? Uh, we have a Slack community. We do. Which is great. So come join our Slack. Gooddacerpodcast.com. Click on community. community. Uh, if you have topic suggestions or you want to complain about us privately or if you want to, perhaps you would like <laughs> to be a guest on the show. Uh, info at gooddacerpodcast.com is where you do that. Check the extracurricular.org for information on uh, the Trailhead DX thing. Uh, we will be hanging out the, the day 
the couple days following Trailhead DX. So Friday, we're, Saturday. We're probably have some kind of get togethers that's kind of informal and we'll figure that out as we go on. But if you want to plan for that, that'd be cool too. I am going to try to find a place for us to at least meet on Friday. Saturday will be kind of question mark because I think Jeremy and I have some thoughts on what we would like to do. Hmm. And maybe we can do oh, a yeah. tag along. That's right. That's right. Because we have some thoughts on that. <clears throat> right. Um, but Friday, I'll tr- I'm going to try to find a place that we can at least say we're going to be here at this time so that you can meet up with us and we can just kind of hang out. Um, I know Jeremy and myself probably have some work to do, at least some <laughs> a little bit of work we have to get done. But, I hope so, um, because for me, there's no such thing as PTO. <laughs> it's it's UTO, unpaid time off. I don't have, I don't have paid time off either. Oh, right whatever, now. you have a job. Yeah, but I'm on probation. You know the whole 90-day probation period? You don't uh, get vacation. Yeah. You don't get time off. Shell should have you on like a, a one-year probation. <laughs> well, and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>